0: Hello and welcome to This Memory Tube Timeline Quiz. My name's Edward Jenner, and I'll be your host for the next half an hour. The prize today is a free smallpox vaccination. You may be listening to this because it's linked to one of our new timelines that align to the GCSE History course, mostly Edexcel at the moment, or you may simply just be interested in history and coming along for the ride. If you are listening as part of your GCSE course, then remember to pop back and listen regularly, and you'll be amazed what starts sticking. If you do this in conjunction with Sprock's history quiz which is on uh, the google play store and soon be on the um, apple store as well um, and you look at our memory tube videos on youtube i guarantee you'll be an expert within a week just give it five or ten minutes a day uh, listen to the podcast play Sprock's history quiz and it just goes in because the ai and the memory techniques we show you will just make it stick and then it's there forever which is really cool If you're new to these podcasts, the idea of the podcast is threefold. Firstly, to test your knowledge of a timeline from history by asking if you can remember when things happened. So see if you can remember the correct date or use your wider history knowledge to get reasonably close. Secondly, we test your wider knowledge by asking you multiple choice questions about some of the events on the timeline. We don't dwell on the facts too much. We're really focusing on can you remember the dates and we fill in with a, a, a small amount of facts Um, There's lots more detail on Sprock's History Quiz timelines. And finally, um, we want to share the tricks and methods that we use at Scintilla HQ to remember the timelines so we have them stored in our memories. Uh, We can whip them out any time to impress the neighbours, our teachers, or absolutely nail an exam. Today's timeline is about the development of medicine in Britain. Now, if you like to keep some sort of score, grab a pen and paper. Uh, If you're spot on the year, give yourself 10 points. If you're within a decade, give yourself 5 points. And if you're in the correct century, well done, and give yourself a point. If you're driving, I probably wouldn't worry about the score. So, one last thing before we begin. The questions are in chronological order, which may help. And unlike any quiz we know, we will occasionally jump back to an earlier question and see whether the tips we've given you make it easier to remember. A little bit of spaced repetition sprinkled in for good measure. As this is also aligned to some listeners GCSEs, we will stop and reflect a couple of times on the significance of the dates and events along the way. Okay, let's get started with the quiz. So obviously we can start way back and come forward along the timeline. So question number one, when did Hippocrates die? And I'll pause and give you obviously time to think each time. Okay, that's 370 BC or BCE. Um, I remember this with a mnemonic story. So the crazier, the better with a mnemonic story. So I use the word Hippocrates. I have three hungry hippos eating 70 crates of biscuits. So I get the three and 70, from the, 70 um, from the three hippos eating the 70 biscuits. And obviously Hippocrates is in there as well. And you can even get the BC from the word biscuits. So I have three hungry hippos eating 70 crates of biscuits. Gives me 370 BCE. Okay, and here's a little question for you. Which of these theories did Hippocrates create? Was it the four humours theory, the blood circulation theory, the taxonomic theory, and the toothworm theory? Yes, that's actually a real theory. Okay, have a think. Okay, yeah, that was the four humours theory. Four humours theory is a the theory that we contain four main humours. Blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. And that that illness is caused by an imbalance in the humours in our body and various methods can then be employed to rebalance them using drink, food, herbs, even bloodletting, things like that. Many things were tried over the centuries. Okay, number two on the timeline. When did the Roman army physician, Dioscorides, write De Materia Medica? Okay, that's 70 AD. So I remember this with another mnemonic. Um, I treat it as a bit like someone saying a football score. So I imagine the general at the end of the battle goes over to where the physicians are working and wants to know how many of the casualties died. He's told to go and talk to Dioscorides, okay? And Dioscorides says, survived 100, heaven, zero. So I the ask Dioscorides, the A and D, gives me the A and D for AD, the date, to know that i've now moved into ad but the main bit is heaven zero is seven zero okay so it sounds like it so i use that to help me remember 70 ad okay here's a quick question on Discarides. for how many years do you think *De Materia medica was used as a pharmacology book Okay, and that's 1,500 years, 1,500 years, which is when you've seen the book, if you go on to Sprock's history quiz, you can actually see some images of the book as well. Um, and they're amazing. It's really amazing. You can see why it was so used and so valued. Interestingly, this book also contained um, the knowledge of the painkilling effects of willow bark, and that became aspirin in the modern world. Okay, number three. When was Galen of Pergamon born? Okay, that was 129 AD, so I've got a way of remembering this. It's 129, and the question was, when was Galen of Pergamon born? So Pergamon born has 12 letters in it and ends with an N. So it's 12, and then the N in this one I use to remember the 9. So it's 129 from Pergamon born. Okay, so here's a question about Galen. How did Galen treat illnesses? Or one of the ways he did anyway. Okay, he was following Hippocrates' uh, train of thought and he was balancing four humours using food, drink and herbs as one of his main ways of treating patients. So, second question, why was Galen's knowledge of human anatomy inaccurate? Okay, and that's because of the laws and customs of the time. He was unable to dissect humans, so he based his work on dissecting pigs and monkeys. So he didn't do badly considering Oh, number four. Here comes four on the timeline. When was the Persian polymath Avicenna born? A little clue. That was in the around the golden age of Islam. Okay, that's 980 AD, the golden age of Islam. The peak was around 950 AD. Uh, I remember this one. I used the major method of mnemonics for this one. So the major method of mnemonics, so I can hardly say that. Um, the major method of mnemonics uses letters to replace numbers and you don't use vowels you just use consonants i don't use all of them but i use b and d to be nine they look a bit like nine f if you write a scrolly f looks like an eight um, five in roman numerals is l uh, n has two um, down so that represents two m has three downstrokes, strokes that represents three and looks like a three etc um, if you go to our memory tube channel we can tell you more about that so, let's move on. Um, I use uh, the major method for this one. Um, he's a polymath Avicenna, so you can think of that as a boffin. Boffin. The B is 9, the F's are the 8, and the N is a 0. I use it on this one because I needed something, so I say the N is naught. so I broke the method slightly for that one. But I'll, I can remember that, so I've got B is 9, F is 8, and N is 0. Okay, now Quick question: How long were Avicenna's books still used in Europe? Okay, right up to the 17th century, into the 1650s. Um, he was, as I said, was born during the Golden Age of Islam, and has been described as the father of modern medicine. So, whilst the Dark Ages swept through Europe and much learning was lost, the Islamic civilization cherished and built upon previous ideas from ancient Greece, kept hold of them, and then they made their way back into Europe. For the Renaissance. Okay, when did number five, when did cases of the Black Death peak in England? Okay, that's 1348 in England. Um, the Black Death it was very unfortunate, obviously, so I remember that date with 13 is an unfortunate number and fortunate, 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 fortune eight, fortune fortune eight sounds like four and eight okay so 1348 1348 okay Um, which two illnesses were involved in the black death okay that's the bubonic plague and the pneumonic plague and another question how many people are thought to have died worldwide now this is only an estimate but 75 to 200 million so probably 100 million is a, a good middle ground So that's a lot of people considering the world population at the time. And another question, how was the plague spread? Okay, from bites from infected fleas. And number six on the timeline, when was the Royal College of Physicians founded? Okay, that was 1518. I don't actually have a mnemonic for this one at the moment, so if you can come up with one yourself, it's good practice for you. And here's a question on the Royal College of Physicians. How did the Royal College improve medicine in Britain? What was the point of it? Okay, and the Royal College was really about the accreditation of physicians, which tried to stop people using quacks. So there's a question. What were quacks? Okay, essentially quacks were doctors with no training. So a bit of a dodgy place to go and get yourself healed. Okay, so number seven on the timeline. We're going to do this one, then we'll pop back and see if the mnemonics help you remember a couple of the ones from earlier. So number seven, when was the company of barbers and surgeons formed? Okay, that's 1540. 1540. And I remember this one by messing about with the major mnemonic method. I break it slightly to suit my needs. But I imagine when the barbers and surgeons get together, they have a party. They, they're really delirious. They form this company together. And the word delirious, I know the D normally stands for a 9 in my method. But I know the date won't be 9540. So I use the D with one down stroke to be 1. The L is a Roman numeral for 5. R, if written as a capital, looks like four. And S is zero, because S has got the hissing sound the same as the Z of zero. So S and Z. So S's and Z's mean zero in the major mnemonic method. So, so, what's this all about? As they had sharp razors and great hand-eye coordination, barbies used to carry out surgical procedures as well, such as lancing boils, bloodletting, removal of teeth, and even in some battles they're known to get involved and amputate limbs. So barbers were very much what we consider surgeons and there were also surgeons who learnt their trade through apprenticeships as surgeons and they formed together to make one company in 1540. Later in 1800, the surgeons split from the barbers and became more linked to physicians and the medical profession as it was developing. But at this point in time, they were together um, under one roof. Okay, so let's pop back and see if you just remember a couple right from the start. So can you remember when... Did Hippocrates die? Remember my hippo story. Okay, that's 370 BCE with my um, 70 crates of biscuits. So I had three hippos eating 70 crates of biscuits. Next one. When did the Roman army physician Dioscorides write De Materia Medica? Do you remember the football score? OK, so that's 70 AD. Remember, it was survived 100, heaven 0. OK, so seven zero. 0 And when was Galen of Pergamon born? Hopefully you're busy counting letters. Yep, and it's hun- 129 AD, so it's Pergamon born. It's the 12 letters from Pergamon born, and the N at the end reminds us it's a 9, so it's 129 Okay, let's skip back on down the timeline then. So we're on number eight. When did Vesalius publish the fabric of the human body? Okay, that's 1612. And I remember that because I imagine a skeleton. uh, Vesalius actually did dismember... Uh, a dead criminal once and put the skeleton together that's actually still available in a museum to see is one of the only skeletons that he made he actually built together an anatomical skeleton so I remember that use the word skeleton and I just say skeleton six one two the skel is six the a is one the tun is two skeleton six one two It works for me um, Vesalius was critically important in the development of the understanding of human anatomy his precise study of the human body through dissection actually disproved much of Galen's work and was a great leap forward for medicine. So why were Vesalius' anatomical diagrams so important? And the answer is simple. It was so accurate. He dissected human bodies really carefully. Uh, he discovered things such as the human jawbone is just one bone, whereas Galen thought they were, it was the jawbone was made from two bones because from dissecting animals... A lot of animals have two bones in the jaw, so he assumed it's the same for humans, and many, many other things. Okay, number nine on the timeline. When did Harvey write on the motions of the heart and blood? Okay, and that was in 1628. Again, I don't have a mnemonic for this one, so if you can come up with one brilliant and even message me and let me me know what it is because I'd love to have one for this one so 1628 Um, what was so important about William Harvey's work okay it was important because he showed how the circulatory system actually worked which allowed for blood transfusions and more complex surgery although transfusions were rarely successful as we didn't understand blood groups so often the blood clotted which is a bit grim Okay, so we're in 1628 and you can see here how Avicenna's work is being replaced um, by new discoveries or enhanced by new discoveries and previous books that people have been using right up into the 17th century are starting to get replaced as people are um, observing more closely the human bodies, you've got Vesalius and Harvey, so there's a real change here in the understanding of the human body and this is a real pivotal point in uh, the history of medicine. Okay. So let's move on to another event. Number 10 on the timeline, the Great Plague of London. When was the Great Plague of London? Okay, and that was in 1665. And which event is thought to have helped end the plague? Okay, and that's the Great Fire of London, obviously uh, burnt down a large proportion of London and cleansed it, I suppose. And that was the year after, and that's how I remember the date of the Great Plague. So I know the Great Fire of London was 1666, so I know the Great Plague of London was the year before. So that's I remember that by association with an event that I definitely know the date of. And, interesting, what did people do with live chickens to go out try and get rid of the plague? Well, shockingly they actually strapped them to areas where the infection was and tried to transfer the infection to the live chickens. Uh, imagine that was a pretty traumatic experience and it didn't work. Okay, number 11 on the timeline. When did Thomas Sydenham publish Observations Medicae? Okay, that was 1678. Um, Thomas Sydenham is important because he used careful observations and detailed notes to build up his knowledge of medicine. And because of this, his book was actually used for doctors for over two centuries. Um, Do you know what Thomas Sydenham is often referred to as? Due to his careful notes and observations, he's often referred to as the English Hippocrates. Okay, number 12 on the timeline. When were Edward Jenner's vaccination findings published? So. OK, and that was in 1798. I remember that because after a vaccination, you need a cup of tea. So teacup and then you have something to eat. So they picked up their teacup and drank and then they ate something. So teacup gives the T equals one because the one downstroke. The C equals seven because of the shape of it. And P equals 9. And then they ate something, which is 8. So I get 1798. Uh, This was a massive breakthrough in medicine. Jenny used live cowpox to infect a patient. He then infected them with smallpox and they didn't get ill. He'd noticed this from seeing uh, milkmaids who had already caught cowpox from obviously working with cows all the time. And when smallpox came to the village, it didn't affect them. So again, from really close observation, a great breakthrough. And interestingly, the word vaccination comes from the Latin word for cow, vacca. So next time you hear the word vaccination, you can think of Jenna, cowpox, and smallpox. Okay, so that's 1798, teacup, and having something to eat. Okay, next one. We're going to do this one. Then we'll jump back down the timeline again. So number thirteen. When did Humphrey Davy identify laughing gas as an anesthetic? and that was in 1799. I simply imagine Humphrey Davy having a laughing gas party, which they did do, and the guests are all eating kebabs. So it's a random thing that I can put in the image, so everyone having a kebab. And the K is seven, okay, so Ks and Cs. You can see in the capital K, um, it looks like it's two sevens lying next to each other, and then the C's got the same sound, so we do it like that. Or you can think of a C looking a bit like a reverse seven. Um, So K is 7, B is 9, and B is 9. So you got from kebab, 799, so 1799. Okay, which profession were the first to use laughing gas as an anaesthetic? It was dentists. Physicians at the time actually ignored it. They didn't really make much of it, but dentists did start using it. Okay, let's jump down the timeline and we'll start with the first one, but then miss a few. So the first one, when did Hippocrates die? Think of those hippos. Okay, that was 370 with uh, three hungry hippos eating 70 crates of biscuits. Number four, when was the Persian polymath Avicenna born? Do you remember Boffin? Do you remember Boffin? Yeah, if you use the word boffin, you get 980 AD. The B is 9, the Fs are 8. And then I put a 0 on the end. Oh, the N you could use, couldn't you, for naught. Okay, and last one. Vesalius published the fabric of the human body. When was that? Do you remember the story about the skeleton? Skeleton 612. Okay, six. so that was in 1612 let's jump on down the timeline again so we've just done laughing gas in 1799 number 14 when did james simpson use chloroform on people okay and that was in 1847 Um, i'm imagining uh james simpson was a surgeon so i'm imagining after surgery he has to defrock so take his um surgical clothes off so defrock I'm using the D as 1 again because I know it's not going to be a 9. The F is 8 because a scrolly F looks like an 8. An R is 4 because the capital R looks like a 4. And K is 7. Okay, so D froc gives you 1847. You could also use once you have chloroform, they snore several times. Okay, snore several four seven. So snore several four seven. So you can use that as well if you like. Um, I love this one. I love the way that chloroform's anaesthetic properties were actually discovered by James Simpson. He and his assistants, after dinner and of an evening, used to sit in his dining room and try different chemicals to see if they'd work as anaesthetics. The night they tried chloroform, they had a lovely sensation, lovely feeling, they felt all was well, and then passed out and woke up the next morning, at which point James Simpson thought, this might be a good anaesthetic. So what amazing way to discover anaesthetics. Okay, number 15. When did John Snow discover the cause of cholera? Okay, and this was in 1854. Uh, there's quite a nice mnemonic for this one using the major method. The actual word cholera um, has the letter L and R is the last two consonants. And L is five and R is four, so it gives you 54. And I know it was in the Victorian period. So I know it's in 1854. Um, this is another big breakthrough in public health and is again a testament to the use of the scientific method whereby scientists make careful observations and notes. By studying the spread of the disease carefully, and he actually mapped it out, um, he was able to ascertain that the cause was a water pump in one street um, because a nearby cesspit was actually leaking into the water supply. People were drinking it. Disgusting, hey? Uh, the, once the handle of the water pump was mo- removed, this helped the end end the outbreak. So uh, another really good bit of scientific observation there. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Number 16. When did Florence Nightingale travel to the Crimea? And again, that was in 1854. So I just use an association hint. that I know that Florence, I imagine Florence and John sort of talking together you can make a crazy one dancing together whatever you like or or john snow waving goodbye to florence nightingale she went to the crimea and that puts them in the same place so i remember it's the same year um florence took nurses to the crimea and slowly helped make changes that eventually changed into modern nursing techniques what did florence nightingale do after the war Okay, and she actually wrote a nursing book and started a nursing school, the Nightingale School of Nursing, which is actually where St Thomas Hospital in central London is now. So let's move on to number 17. When did Mary Seacole travel to Crimea? And again, that was in 1854. Uh, Mary was originally denied the opportunity to travel to the Crimea as a nurse so actually being an enterprising person made her own way there and started the British Hotel for the recovery of officers and also helped the wounded on the battlefield. Now let's jump on to number 18 Louis Pasteur. When did he develop germ theory? And that's in 1861, and this one's relatively easy to remember because germ theory starts with GT, and the G is a six, and the T is one because it's got one downstroke. So just from germ theory, I get um, the six one. Okay, and people are still unsure at this time what killed disease. Uh, so the miasmus theory was still about. Uh, the four humours theory, the miasma theory is the idea that it's bad air causes disease. The four humors theory is this imbalance in people's bodies. And then Louis Pasteur, through his observations, realized that it's more microorganisms that are causing disease. And he also realized importantly that bacteria could be killed by washing your hands and using disinfectant. And that saved millions of people's lives and changed the way surgery worked and how surgeons worked. Okay. So what do people think caused disease before Louis Pasteur's germ theory? That's right, for humans theory and miasma theory, which I mentioned. So as a result of germ theory and discoveries by people like Jon Snow, the Public Health Act was brought in to try and improve the health of the public. Clues in the name, really. Okay, number 19. When did Joseph Lister discover antiseptic? Okay, and this was in 1865, so four years after the germ theory. Uh, and Joseph Lister, JL. Uh, the J is a six, it's got the squirrely bottom end. And the L is a Roman numeral for five, so six, five. And the use of antiseptic basically has saved millions of lives around the world. He's discovered carbolic acid stopped infection developing in wounds by placing a wound dressing on a boy who, I think he had his leg crushed by a cart. So he had this sort of open wound, crush wound and he put uh, a dressing with carbolic acid on it. When he removed it some time later, he saw that it wasn't infected and he was obviously, he discovered an antiseptic. So here's a question. Where did Joseph Lister see carbolic acid being used, which gave him the idea to try it? And interesting, it was actually around a tour of a sewage works. don't know why he was there, but he saw them spraying carbolic acid into the air to get rid of the stench of the sewage works. And he thought that might be having an antibacterial effect. So he used it on the dressings and it worked. So that's carbolic acid. Okay, we'll do number 20, then we'll whip back down the timeline. Okay, Wilhelm Röntgen. When did he discover x-rays? Okay and that was in 1895 so you can either remember it was 30 years after the discovery of antiseptic but I find that a bit tricky. So I just decided that the first x-ray he tried was really feeble so I use the word feeble. Um, Okay I don't worry about the 1 so the F is the 8, the B is the 9 and the L is the 5. Okay. Number 21 on the timeline I'm going to do this one then we'll pop back down the timeline. Carl Landsteiner, when did he discover blood groups? Okay, and that was in 1900. And I simply remember that because blood has two zeros in it, or two O's. And that I remember then it's just 1900 because I've got OO. If you want the D on the end, can help me remember it's 900 if you reverse that. And if you really want to, you can do an anagram of the word blood without the B and the D, O, O and the L can make 1900 but I think the two zeros are enough for me. So let's whack back down the timeline and then they'll tell you a bit more about Karl Landsteiner. So we'll just drop back to Vesalius. Can you remember when Vesalius published the fabric of the human body? And I'm using skeleton. Skeleton, 612, so 1612. Okay, when was the Great Plague of London? That's in 1665, a year before the Great Fire of London in 1666. And can you remember when Edward Jenner's vaccination findings were published? Remember the teacup? So you've got the T is one, the C is seven, the P is nine, and then the eight something. So I've got 1798. 1798. OK, so Karl Landsteiner, I'll jump back to him right, into the 20th century in year 1900. And Karl Landsteiner discovered blood groups. And that's massively important because that meant that blood transfusions could be carried out successfully without clotting. And this led to the possibility of more complex surgery being far more successful. Okay, so number 22. When did Alexander Fleming discover penicillin? Okay, and that's in 1928. So I've got a really odd mnemonic story, but one night, I'm imagining it happened at night, 20 moulds ate all the bacteria. So imagine, one night, 20 moulds, spores I suppose, ate all the bacteria. So I had one night, one nine, 20 moulds, eight, all the bacteria, 20 and eight. So i got one night, 20 moulds, eight. So I'll get one nine, two eight. It's not my best one. It sort of works. If you can come up with a better one, let me know. So we're all thankful for the discovery of antibiotics. Amazingly, it was discovered in 1928. They didn't become... Available to the general general public till after the um, World War Two in 1945, 1947, really. Um, the Americans saw the potential of penicillin to give their troops a major advantage on the battlefield. And that meant they had the willingness to tackle the difficulty of penicillin, which is producing it in mass. So they actually then may, managed to mass produce penicillin it was then cheap enough. And then it became available to the general public. OK, number 23. When was the National Health Service created? Okay, and that's in 1948. And I have a a way to remember this. Uh, I used to love Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. So I have one nurse for infinity. The idea that this NHS gives you nursing care forever. You don't have to pay for it. So I have one nurse for infinity, one nine four eight. The nurse standing for the nine and the infinity, the eight is an infinity symbol. So 1948, one nurse for infinity. The NHS was created for a mixture of reasons, uh, but was helped by the government co- coordinating and creating hospitals during World War II, which then became the start of the NHS under the leadership of Labour MP Anurin Bevan. It had been discussed since the 1920s, but the creation of more hospitals um, during World War II meant that there was more impetus and everything came together to create the NHS, which we're all thankful for. Okay, number 24. When was the link between smoking and lung cancer proven? And this was in 1950 and I remember this with the five looking like smoke rising up and then the zero being oh that's not good for me, so five oh. Number 25, when did Crick and Watson publish the correct structure of DNA? And that was in 1953. I don't have a mnemonic for this one. I mean, the understanding of human DNA is one of the greatest medical breakthroughs of the 20th century and has led to novel and often controversial innovations such as gene therapy. So obviously a really important date. Again, if you can think of a great mnemonic for that one, let me know. Two more to go then. Number 26. When did the UK government start the rollout of a national polio vaccination campaign? And that was in 1956. Um, the eradication of polio obviously has is is removed a frighteningly debilitating disease from the UK and around the world. In general, most countries are now polio-free. But on the whole, it's an incredible achievement to get rid of polio in the UK. And that was due, if you think back to all the things that have happened, is Jenner's discovery of vaccinations, as the creation of an NHS, having a national school system whereby you can roll out these vaccinations. So... All the things that came before have helped get to the point where we can actually get rid of his um, terrible diseases like polio. Okay, we're on to the last one. Number 27, when was the first heart transplant? Okay, and that was in 1967. Now, although the first transplant, he only survived for 18 days, Now over 3,500 people benefit from life-extending impact of heart transplant surgery every year. And the success of this can be attributed to all the innovations we've seen on this timeline today. And you you go back and you think about accurate anatomy, uh, Avicenna, and people like him holding on to all that knowledge, whilst uh, Europe went through a period of losing so much knowledge it's the discovery of the circulatory system the use of antiseptics anesthetics all these things that come together to mean that humans can now actually transplant hearts from one person to another it's an incredible journey Um, i hope you've enjoyed it we'll pop back we're going to try three dates and see if you can remember them so we go right to the start when did hippocrates die And hopefully you got your hungry hippos, your three hungry hippos eating 70 crates biscuits, 370 BCE. Then we're gonna to jump to Vesalius. When did he publish the fabric of the human body? Hopefully you're shouting 1612 skeleton. Okay, and then we'll go down to, when were Edward Jenner's vaccination findings published? You're all looking at teacup and trying to work out the numbers, hopefully. So 1798 teacup and eight. And then we'll go to when did Florence Nightingale travel to the Crimea? And hopefully you're thinking cholera. John Snow, John Snow waving goodbye to Florence Nightingale, 1854. Okay, from the word cholera, the five and the four from the L and the R. And we'll jump down to... Another good one. Oh, yes. When did the National Health Service... When was the National Health Service created? And hopefully you're going one nurse for infinity, one nine four eight. Okay. And that is the end of today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Come back next week when we should have another timeline quiz ready for you. If you want to keep on exploring timelines, you can download our Sprox History Quiz app from the Google Play Store. It's soon to be on the Apple Store as well. If you use the code PODCAST15 all in capitals you can play the timeline gcse um, medicine in britain for free Um, if you're interested in finding out more about how to have a better memory search for our memory tube channel on youtube so yep thank you for listening and see you soon